0: Calm down now. I love being back on the Redneck Riviera. Yes, I do. (laughs) Obviously, you do too. All right, settle down now. Settle down. It is the Redneck Riviera. I love performing live shows here. From New Orleans to Panama City, Florida, this grand strand of white sand is called the Redneck Riviera. I love living in the very heart of it. It's the only place in America I've ever seen a family take a cooler to church. I know. I was actually invited into a woman's house once on Perdido Key. When I went in to see her, she was standing in her bedroom on her bed vacuuming her sheets. I ain't making that up. Had her vacuum cleaner up on the bed vacuuming her sheets. <laughs> I actually saw a sign once in a little bar in Orange Beach, Alabama, that said, Please don't throw bones and food scraps on the floor. The health department made us get rid of the goat. (laughs) It made me wonder what it was like before they had the goat. I'm sorry, I missed that. Judge Roy Bean's Restaurant. I don't even know if it's still there anymore. But it was a hoot now. I went in a movie theater once in Panama City, Florida. There was actually a sign on the front of the movie screen, up underneath it, on the little stage they had there, big letters. It said, please refrain from talking to the characters on the movie screen. Tests have proven they can't hear you. <laughs> I know, I know, but that's where we are. That's who we are. Don't you just love it?
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Off the Chain. I am your host Yvonne Mason, with my friend and co-host tonight, Christopher Lang uh, Plain, and we are continuing our tribute to our friend T. Bubble Betel. That was an opening skit he did over on the west coast of Florida. And tonight, before we get started doing his playing some of his skits and talking about him. There was an article that was posted in the Pensacola Times that I got my hands on. And while Bubba was well-known everywhere, and because he was a J.C., and because he learned many things from the J.C., what he did within his community, I don't know that a lot of people knew. He gave back to his Pensacola community. He donated $50,000 $50,000 to the University of West Florida since 2015. That's six years that he has donated $50,000 to that university. In 2015, he donated $25,000 to establish a scholarship for women's basketball. And in 2018, he gave another $25,000 to the Uni- University of West Florida Department of Theater in honor of his son, Carter. Carter who graduated from that program in 98. The donation established an endowed scholarship to provide financial aid for juniors and seniors in the theater department. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this man gave back, and he gave back with a glad heart. So this is why we honor him tonight in a row. This show is scheduled to run two hours. We'll see if we have enough. Um, Be careful information to run two hours but i want to welcome my friend and co-host tonight chris plain chris thanks for joining me again absolutely you I had was, an uh... interesting evening before you came on online with me and and we were just talking about now ladies and gentlemen chris lives in the cold country i mean i'm i'm talking <laughs> of the mason Sixth line that i don't go to in the wintertime And his older son called him and said, Dad, I've got the problem. And and Chris, being the father that he is, as most parents do, said, I'll be right there. So explain to the folks what you did right before this show. And when you called, you were slightly out of breath from it.
2: (laughs) Actually, he was at work. He had taken his truck in to get fixed. And he needed me to pick it up because he wasn't going to get out of work in time to Get it before the guy closed. So his girlfriend drove me over. I picked his truck up, and me and the youngest son were coming home. And the truck ran fine all the way home till probably about a mile from home, and the damn thing stalled out in the in the center lane and <laughs> wouldn't start back up. So I had to push it, and it's a three-quarter ton GMC, like a I think it's like an '89 or a 98 something like that but it's, it's it's a it's a basic it's a gmc work truck like what the city would use for you know hauling stuff around and uh i had to push that stupid thing across two lanes of traffic into a parking lot and i got it across about one and a half lanes and as soon as it hit the incline of the driveway the stupid thing you know started to roll backwards so i was standing there trying to hold the Two thousand pound plus truck in place that wouldn't roll backwards in the traffic. Then some woman pulled right up on my bumper and honked her horn. So of course, you know, you had to, you had to, you know, tell her something or another um, that I won't repeat because uh, <laughs> we're, we're 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 doing a clean show.
3: So. <laughs> the <But laughs> well, well, the thing, the
1: thing is. When you te- when you were telling me this story, I was thinking to myself, Bubba would have really had fun with that one on stage, especially yeah. when the woman pulled up behind you, saw you pushing the yeah. truck, and basically and he honked a horn. Yes. Like, honking the horn's gonna going to make you push the truck any faster, or the truck's going to start on its own? Here's your sign. It's,
2: well, she... She kind of, she acted like she couldn't see me. And it's like, I told her, I know you see this big, bright red, giant Chevy work truck, okay? It's four-lane road. It's well lit. And I mean, it's a well-traveled area, so there's a lot of street lights and house lights. So it wasn't like a dark street or anything where she couldn't see it. I mean, she would, you know, I mean, it's lit for miles in both directions. It's just down from a major highway overpass. So you have all the light still from the overpass and all that, you know. Um so it wasn't like you were gonna miss it. It was, stood out like a sore thumb and I was across, you know, the far right lane and half of the center lane. <laughs> so it
1: was like, And and, and you know, she this. And as, as Bubba <laughs> would say, that would be the sign of an igmo. Right. So that's going to segue into this next next skit he did Because he he was the world's greatest at, He would laugh at his own jokes At his own Igmo jokes Because <laughs> they are just so yeah. obvious In your face obvious So ladies and gentlemen Welcome to our show tonight This is our second night of our tribute To the one and only Southern redneck comedian T-Double T. Bubba Betchel, who we lost on Monday night, Tuesday night. I can't remember because Mondays and nights get so screwed up. But I found this, I think it was Monday this night. post that that night. Got this post yeah. at midnight, and I knew that that I had to do something because I last had interaction with him two years ago when I put together our fiftieth anniversary for the jcs senate and he was our keynote speaker so if you knew bubba been to some of his shows have a story to tell the lines are open please call us at 319-527-6088 and share those stories this is how we keep memories alive as we share the stories so in light of this woman bless her heart as we say here in the south right we're we're going to open the show with Bubba's Igmo signs.
0: Uh, there's a lot of Igmo signs out there. Uh, it really true. Some of them don't make any sense at all. I was on I-10 right outside of Mobile, Alabama. There's a new sign that said food and gas. I got off the exit, and the only thing there was a Mexican food restaurant. It took me a while to get it. I just sat in the parking lot and laughed. I didn't even go in. But it was a true cool thing. I bought me one of those windshield reflectors from my Corvette last summer. You know, the kind, I got leather seats in that thing. And it's convertible, man. And, I, boy, you get in there, it'll burn you up. So I had to have one of these little reflector things. It works pretty good. But when I opened it up, the package, it said on the label there, do not drive with windshield reflector in place. That's scary. Because there had to be a warning like that on a windshield reflector. There has to be one, because somebody somewhere tried that, and that's why they had to put that warning on there. That's just ignorance. One of the funniest signs I ever saw was one hanging in the bathroom at the Sahara Hotel on the Strip in Las Vegas. That's how I was out there doing the show. This sign in the Sahara said, Marriage is like a deck of cards. At first, all you need is two hearts and a diamond. And five years later, you're looking for a damn club and a spade. <laughs> yeah, buddy, I know that feeling. <coughs> There's a sign on 2nd Avenue in Nashville. I was up there reopening the Grand Ole Opry with my buddy Mike Snyder. After uh, the flood damage and all, we went up there. Took a bunch of people from the Redneck Riviera and everything. We had a big old time. But there's a sign there that says, if you're an alcoholic, call 566-8447. I did. It was a local liquor store. Now, (laughs) that's good marketing right there. I mean, that works.
1: So Chris, I heard you snickering in the background and in light of what's going on in your life, that one that one little skit is what brought the chuckle out. <laughs> I mean it's it's
2: it's little things, you know, of 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 idiocy like that that you know, you see things or you hear things and sometimes you think, you know, oh, that can't be that can't be true or that can't be right or or whatever and it is, you know, and it's so funny and hilarious that um partly because it's so obvious. Right. You know, um this the skit that he did uh, from last night you know about the airplane about braille on the on the light thing of the airplane you know it's stuff like that that you know it's it's funny because you don't think about it but again you know hey handicap spots in front of a skating rink why are there <laughs> handicap spots in front of a skating rink? You know? Like Bubba said, if you can you know, if you can skate, you don't need a handicap spot. <laughs> uh,
3: but you know, But the thing I mean, he
1: saw he saw humor in everyday things. Yeah. Well that's because there is
2: humor in everyday things.
1: And he would have seen humor in that woman rolling up behind you tonight, blowing her horn. He would say, "Yeah, that's an enigma, I mean, come on. Yeah.
2: that on, on, her, on her stupid cell phone.
1: There you go. You know.
2: You know. And that's part. It, that's part of what had me cussing at her is because, you know, she acted like I inconvenienced her, like she had to slow down or something. Like, well, sorry about your luck, lady, but uh, you know.
1: <laughs> and if she <laughs> had been 2000... paying attention. If she'd been paying attention, she could have slowed down, gotten another lane, gone around you, or even rolled down the window and said, can I call for you some help?
2: You know, it was like I told her, I was like, hey, this 2,000-pound truck ain't going anywhere, okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you,
3: you,
2: you want to take that little piece of crap car you're driving and pull right up to the bumper and try to push it, you know, you'd be a great help, but uh, I don't think you've got enough horsepower in that little... <laughs> if you're driving there to, <laughs> you <know, laughs> the push is big thing, so but I don't know, it's just like I said, it's little idiot things like that in life that you you run across it, and you know it's funny, and you gotta laugh at it because like Jim Morrison said nobody gets out alive
1: you know anyway, that's true. So. that is that is very one of the one of the signs that that, is, that, that has become the norm down here because they, they move streets in the middle of the night they rearrange streets and exit signs and and exit ramps and entrance ramps so i never know when i get in my truck to go anywhere if it's going to be a straight line, or if I'm going to be going around my nose to get to my elbow, but what what one of those signs that Bubba would have fun with is one that says "Slow down, workers ahead." Okay, how many heads are there that we're going to be worrying about? Right. deer crossing. Okay, what's a deer crossing? Just some of the signs are so Dumb You just want to smack them
2: I mean like I said There's so many that You know like our mayor That we have uh, Our outgoing mayor Um And I say this In the most southern way uh, (laughs) Bless his heart Um (laughs) If this boy was any dumber, he would be in negative IQ points. Um, his last name is Doby, D-O-B-E-Y. And he has affectionately been nicknamed by me. I call him Dopey the Wonder Doofus. Uh-oh. Because this man has decided that Jackson needs roundabouts.
3: No, not we just one roundabout. Mm-hmm.
2: Not just two roundabouts. He has put in four roundabouts. If you go to Ella Sharp Park and you come off of Parkside Drive, there is a roundabout. And then you go 100 yards up the road, there is a second roundabout immediately past the first one. Now, why Dopey the Wonder Doofus thought that we needed two roundabouts back to back, you know, <laughs> on top of each other. I will never know. Uh, his explanation is, well, it improves the flow of traffic.
3: Uh-huh.
2: For who? The drug dealers.
1: Well, the the thing the, is, this... he should he should have come to to Florida first before he had that that bright idea, because when when the when the Northerners come south. They have no idea yeah. how to use them. It's 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 insane. And their excuse for putting in roundabouts is it's cheaper than red lights. Okay, <laughs> I've got. I'm gonna have two of them on my street, about a hundred yards apart. When they finish the road yeah, outside of my house, so I'm not gonna be able. I'm gonna have to go south to go north. But in order to go north, right. I got to do a roundabout. I, again, i got to go around my nose to get to my elbow. And I say what it is is we have drunk engineers.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: I've made have the not, joke
2: that... Go ahead.
1: Well, they have no clue because they don't have to travel yeah. these
2: roads all the time. I've made the joke numerous times to Dopey and other people that whoever designed this town that I live in, you know, that... The, the original planning committee, uh, when they designed Jackson, uh, it was a bunch of drunk rednecks sitting around with a box of crayons <laughs> discussing it. Hey, Bob, I think this road ought to go this way. No, nah, no, nah, Jim Bob, it got to go this way, got to go this way. Because we have some of the most backwards one-way streets in this town, like streets that are one-way that make no sense for them to be one-way. Right. And if you suggest, well, can we fix that? Well, why would we fix it? It's always been that way. Okay. Uh-huh. Just because it's always been that way doesn't mean it has to stay that way. Exactly. It's obvious that there's no sense for this being a, a one-way a one-way street. There's almost no traffic on it. There's no, you know, there, there's there's one that's a one way street and it's literally a dead end street. <laughs> well, why would you make a dead end street a one way? People live on this street. So you can only Drunk- go one way down the street.
1: Yep. Junk engineers. So with that in yeah, mind with that in mind, let's play Bubba's Southern Survival. Now now this is this is for all of the the it, it is our season now. Where all everybody from Canada southward to to the Mason-Dixon line migrate down here, and yeah. when they migrate down here, they really believe that this is their exclusive little state that we have no say. So they get like like the lady got picked off at you tonight. They get very angry at those of us who live here. If we are not traveling at the speed of light or traveling at the speed of snail to inconvenience them. So Baba did a southern survival skit, and I want to play that so folks who visit our fair state will understand how to survive in the south. I'm writing
0: a book right now on how to help people when they move south and keep them safe and out of harm's way. It's called How to Avoid Ash Whippings.
3: <laughs> and they read
0: it and they, it'll help them. You know, for instance, in the north they have Biff. In the south we got Bubba. Now, Bubba also is a nickname, but it also denotes a lifestyle you got to be careful how you use Bubba or you could get an ass paper from some Bubba's mother.
3: <laughs>
0: a public one, which is the worst kind. New York has coffee houses. The South has Waffle House. <laughs> Don't go in a Waffle House and order a double chocolate latte with just a whisper of cinnamon on it or you'll get your ass whipped by a fat lady in a paper hat. <laughs> Chicago has Switchblade knives. In the South, we have Lee (laughs) Press-On-Nails. Now, don't go in a bar out here on the beach in the South and start talking about hoes and such. You might meet some woman with Lee Press-On-Nails. And the next morning, you'll wake up thinking you had your ass whipped by Edward scissor (laughs) hand. Gonna help them. The North has IndyCar races. The South has stock car races. Learn who Richard Petty and Dale learn her are and never take their name in vain or you can get an ass whipping in Superloop. <laughs> Maine has lobster. The South has crawfish. Now, crawfish aren't as big as lobster, but they don't cost $48 a pound either. <laughs> learn what the culinary terms of pinch the tail and suck the head mean. <laughs> Don't misuse them or make fun of them or a big cage of will give you a nice whipping with a gumbo box. <laughs> Don't do that. You know, Detroit has rap. The South has country music. You never combine country and rap because if you do, you get crap.
3: <laughs>
0: Boston has A&P grocery stores. The South has
3: Piggly
0: Wiggly. Now don't ask us how it got that name. We don't know either. But if you make fun of it, you get your ass whipped my produce for it with a mop. Just don't make fun of it. The North has Ted Kennedy. The South has Jesse Helms.
3: Now we ain't too proud
0: of Jesse, but as far as we know, he ain't never drove off a bridge and drowned nobody. Well, we got some Democrats in the room, I see. (laughs) They're everywhere. (laughs) I used to be a Democrat. They learn how to read.
3: (laughs) It's just different. Learning
0: accepted in the South. I mean, the North has family reunions. The South has funerals.
3: And we have a quaint
0: little custom here about pulling off the side of the road when the funeral procession goes by, just to show respect. Don't voice an opinion about that, especially during a funeral, you can get your ass whipped by a (laughs) preacher.
3: Just pull off the side of the road and shut up. Now the North has
0: a song, the North has a song, called Yankee Doodle
3: Dandy.
0: A very touching ballad about some fool that stuck a feather in his hat (laughs) and called it macaroni. Isn't that a touching valley? Now the South has a song. It's called Dixie. Now the North can sing their song anywhere they want to at any time. They do that no more in the South. Politically corrects have gotten all over. Even though the song itself has nothing to do with war or slavery or the Civil War or anything. As a matter of fact, I work in Music City, USA and the many music historians will tell you that African-Americans wrote the song about a land that they loved that they were forced to leave. But you can't sing it, you know. However, if you're ever in a place where well, they decide to sing it anyway. Stand up. <laughs> Place your hand over your heart. And mouth the words the best you can, or you get to ask by an entire family includes the children. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing thing? I-
1: And ladies and gentlemen, that is how you survive in the South if you come South of the Mason-Dixon line. So mark this down, download this podcast, take that particular little ditty and hold tight to it and learn from it. Because I'm telling you, even in 2021, us true Southerners still feel that way. What do you think, there, Chris? Was that not fall down funny and so true? Oh, it's
2: definitely true. It's uh, I learned when I moved, like I said, when I moved. Even though you don't consider Arkansas the South, um, it's southern in a lot of ways. It's you know,
3: <laughs>
2: many of those same rules apply uh, in Arkansas as well because. Um, you get some pissed off ordinary people that you know will definitely fight you over the silliest things, and um,
1: <laughs> yeah. well, you, you think about it and and I don't see a whole lot of Southerners going north trying to tell those Yankees how to live, but I see a whole bunch well, of Yankees right. coming south trying to tell us how to live. And it gets a little bit irritating because we're Why? very proud of, we're, we're, like Bob said, we're, we're pretty proud of being Southern. He was from, the, he's born and raised in Mississippi, and he, yeah, he, he's very, very proud of being Southern. So, right. just, ladies and gentlemen, just, just be forewarned. You need that Southern living guide because you won't survive if you don't, if you don't take it to yeah. heart. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean,
2: you know, in a lot of ways, some ways, I don't know if I want to say a lot of ways, but there are those of us from the north who we grew up on farms. We're the sons of truck drivers and things like that. So even though we are Yankees, uh, there is a lot of bubble and a lot of redneck in us. Uh, Maybe the proper term, as my grandpa used to say, you know, call them hillbillies. Uh, But there's, you know, there's a lot of hillbilly in us, so um, I don't know the whole dictatomy of uh, how a hillbilly and a redneck uh, are related, you know. But I'd like to think they're close cousins or, you know, uh, maybe what you Southerners refer to as kissing cousins.
1: (laughs) All right. Rednecks literally came from Ireland Ireland. They were Irish and they when they came over on the boats they were they were known okay. because they wore the red kerchief. So they were called rednecks. And you can be a redneck and not be a hillbilly. But you can't be A hillbilly is someone that lives so far back up in the mountains. Again, you have to pipe in sunshine, and those were again the the uh, political prisoners and the Irish and Scots that came over to get away from tyranny. And because the mountains were so much like the Emerald Isle and Scotland, that's where they settled. The Appalachian Mountains are full of them, and so are the the, yeah. the um, Blue Ridge Mountains. They're all full, and still, way back in those mountains, you will find clans that have, have yet to come down out of it. They even speak the old language.
2: Man, there's some... Uh, I'll tell you a story. This is a straight out of a wrong turn horror movie type story. Um, you, you always hear the jokes about West Virginia and i'm not saying you know west virginia is backwards or anything like that it's not that kind of a story but um we went to myrtle beach and on the way back from myrtle beach we were in a motorhome me and my buddy troy and about four other friends Um, we got lost coming home we took the long way we were going to go exploring and we ended up in West Virginia and we ended up getting lost. And we were lost, lost. Okay. Like we drove around in circles for a few hours. Couldn't find our damn way out of the mountains. Finally come across this country store. This old man, he's sitting on the porch of the store in his rocking chair reading the newspaper. Just doing his thing, minding his own business. We pulled in and walked up on the thing. And he had one of them old Coke machines from way back in the day where you put a nickel in it and you pulled the little glass door open and it gave you a little glass bottle, you know. Um That's how old this country store was. We went in there and we asked for directions and he gave us directions, which made no sense to us. Um, But all right, he wrote it down for us, and my buddy Troy told this old boy, he's like, you got anything to entertain ourselves in this motorhome? You know, you got any, like, crossword puzzle books, cards, anything like that? That old man looked Troy dead in his eye, and he goes, cards? What are cards? And Troy's like, you know, like, playing cards. Play poker with them? Oh, boy, look, Troy dead in his face. He's like, I haven't been off this mountain in 85 years. I don't know what playing cards are.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Troy, <laughs> Troy, looked at,
2: <laughs> Troy looked at that dude, and he walked out to the motorhome. He walked up in the motorhome, and we come out with the thing, and he was like, dude, he's like, I'm driving. And I was like, <laughs> okay, why? He's like, if we're following this motherfucker's directions, he said, if we're coming down the road, he said, in some hillbilly ass inbred jumps out with any kind of weapon, if we come across some leatherface um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit, he's like, <laughs> it ain't going to be like the movies. He's like, we are not stopping. We are not conversation. He's like, I'm running the motherfuckers over and we're going to keep going. Excuse my language, I'm sorry. Um, He's like, we are running them down and we're going to keep going, bro. And I was like, well, it's not that bad. And he's like, dude, that dude does not know what playing cards are. (laughs) He's like, that is some hillbilly inbred. He's like, I don't even mess with people like that. And he was dead serious, man. Like He was spooked by the fact that this old man had spent his entire life up on that mountain and had never seen playing cards he'd never you know anything like that um this old store was so old that to keep it warm he would take the boxes that his supplies come in and he would shove them into the walls as insulation mm-hmm. and um i thought it was quaint like i, I he was a nice guy I mean, he, he didn't give me any kind of spooky vibes or anything he just had spent his whole life on that mountain, you know. And um He had Troy, everything he, he needed.
1: Well, the the guy yeah, like, had Trey everything he needed.
2: Yeah, like Troy wasn't having it though. Like Troy was like, dude, if we He's like somebody jumps out in front of this thing and tries to stop us. She's like, I'm running and <laughs> down. She's <bro."
1: laughs> well, he's like,
2: I'm not going to be part of a horror movie." <laughs> this
1: this is the this is the misconception that a lot of people have about hill people. Hill people yeah. are very private closed people i I come from a long line of hill people. Those people didn't even talk to each Look. other, much less strangers but they just <laughs> if if they loved you if they liked you, they'd give you the shirt off their back. but you just didn't come up in there and make yourself to home because yeah. they they had a very low trust factor and it it's from handed down from generation to generation. So w- when when you come south, we'll invite you to our home, but we're still going to be closed until we figure out who you are and we can trust right. you. It's just it's it's just something from from generations and generations, and and again back up in the hills, they are even more closed than. We are down in the flatlands because they just uh uh-uh. uh don't be having no strangers up in here messing with a special. If we think you the revenues, if you the revenues, you might not see the light of tomorrow. Yeah,
2: well that was so. the thing. This was way back in the hills, like of of West Virginia, you know. <laughs> um it, it, it was like it was. It looked like it looked like where they would film like Wrong Turn or Texas Chainsaw Massacre something along that line, you know, just like miles and miles and miles of nothing but trees. And it took us forever to find our way back. And we eventually did. And we made it home. But we were, we were getting worried. Like we were just like, <laughs> you know, like it's bad enough trying to drive out of there. Man, if we would have had to have like abandoned that motorhome and tried to walk out, like we we would have we would have just ended up like <laughs> dead to mine somewhere or something because you know
3: <laughs>
2: we would have we would have starved to death where we ever walked out of there so um, well
1: well on yeah. that note since we're talking about the south and since Bubba has been so gracious to leave us how tos about teaching the northerners how to deal with us Southerners because we are a different breed there's another clip he did, and it's called Southern Politics. And if you thought you were laughing out loud at Southern Survival Guide, ladies and gentlemen, oh, and and by the way, before I go to that, we're at a hundred forty seven thousand seventeen listeners in thirty eight countries now. Just saying. So Bubba's gonna is gonna continue to thrive in all these different countries and all these different listeners. So. I was going to teach you some Southern politics. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Christopher Plain. And tonight is our continued tribute to T. Bubble Special.
0: And then then we don't have bad, you know, politics down here. Our politics are very colorful. You know, I think they are. (laughs) (laughs) We have to understand that we still live in a section of the country where he needed killing as a valid defense. (laughs) Well, he needed killing. That's his heart, you know. Just sorry as he could be, you know. (laughs) You know, and and Louisiana's got to be the most colorful state in the nation when it comes to politics. Uh, We got, we got, we got some people here from Louisiana, and I love folks from Louisiana. I really do. We got some people came over from Louisiana to see this show tonight, and I love them for it. I, I ain't talking about them. It's just very colorful over there. I'm not making up, but I'm about to tell you. A couple of years ago, they had a convicted felon named Edwin Edwards who was running against the grand imperial wizard of the Ku Klux Klan named David Duke for governor. We had a convicted felon and an imperial wizard of the Klan running for governor. Poor old Louisiana just had to hold her nose and vote. But they took that with a sense of humor, they had bumper stickers they put out that said, Vote for the crook. It's important. <laughs> I still got mine. <laughs> we grow a good politician down here, though. I think we grow good politicians. Send them up there to Washington do good. Heck, they're running the place up there. You know, Strom Thurmond, he's the oldest, you know, senator we got. Strom Thurmond from South Carolina. Ninety-eight years old. 98 years old. They say he's in good health, just a little hard of hearing. Well, a lot of senators are hard of hearing. But I do think that Strom might be the only one that could blame it on Yankee cannon fire. You know, we had Newt Gingrich running a lot of things up there. Old Newt ran things for a while, but he got stupid. <laughs> and, then, and then Trent Lott, he had been in charge of the Senate for a long time. He's from Mississippi. He's doing a good job until another stupid idiot from Vermont changed parties and messed that whole thing up. <laughs> I guess he registered to socialist, too. <laughs> you know, and, and, but they just, and then Al Gore from Tennessee, there's Al Gore, ran for president. He was, Al Gore's a hoot, wasn't he? <laughs> I just love watching Al Gore. It's hard to believe anybody could be that white. <laughs> have you ever seen him dance? He looked like a hog on ice, boy. He's white. See, I have a home in Tennessee and one in Florida, so I get to vote both places.
3: <laughs>
0: Al Gore's a hoot. I believe Al Gore's in the Secret Service. I really do, because if he did anything in eight years, it's a secret.
3: <laughs>
0: I mean, Al, Al is, a, is a guy that he married a woman named Tipper. Beautiful woman. You don't name a beautiful woman Tipper. You name a horse Tipper. <laughs> You know, and if a fool had carried his own home state, we wouldn't have had all that blame here in Florida. <laughs> and then we had Bill Clinton from Arkansas. Here's a semi-southern state, Arkansas. You know, everybody's talking about Bill and this, all that, up there, him being southern and everything. Huh? You know, I ain't gonna say nothing bad about Bill. He's had a rough time of it. He's had enough jokes told on him. He's gone now. I just say this about it: bless his heart. <laughs> That is hard. his heart
3: <laughs>
0: Bill's, a, Bill's a hoot man I mean every, He's worried about his legacy Everybody You know when he's going out of office Everybody's worried about his legacy Oh how will he be remembered Well Bill Clinton wasn't worried about his legacy He had way too much fun making it You <laughs> know I, I figured it out You know Bill's legacy. Let me see now. We had George Herbert Walker Bush, the daddy, and then we had Bill Clinton, and now we got George W. Bush, the son. I, I think Bill Clinton is going to always be remembered as the president that played around between the Bushes. <laughs> <laughs> he was fun to watch, man. I'm gonna miss him. I need the material. Uh, bless his heart. Uh, He's just doing the best he can with what he got, you know. He's still out there just doing the best he can, you know, you gotta admire somebody for that. I I just he was just not a bubba. He jogged all the time. Remember that?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Bubba T Bubba Betchel with Southern politics and You have to understand, here in the South, we enjoy making fun of ourselves and each other because it takes the power away from everybody else. So when we do that, we do it with tongue-in-cheek because we know that we speak the truth. Chris, I heard you snickering in the background, especially when he said, Bless his heart.
2: I was laughing at the Bill Clinton thing because... For those that have never been to Little Rock, Arkansas, um, for those that have never had the the great pleasure (laughs) and honor of visiting or seeing a picture of the Bill Clinton presidential mobile home. (laughs) Oh, my word. Bill Clinton has a presidential library. In Little Rock. is right on the Little Rock River. And I swear to God, it was designed by a, a firm from New York. Now, this thing was designed and approved essentially by Hillary. I still say it was Hillary messing with Bill. Because if you look at that thing that monstrosity that it is, and you see anything other than a big glass (laughs) mobile home, (laughs) I will buy you dinner. I'm telling you, the Bill Clinton Presidential Library is a big, giant glass mobile home sat on big stilts next to a river, and... People in Arkansas are like, oh man, that's an architectural wonder. Really? But
1: but they're like, wondering what it like, is, right? Like like
2: y'all know that dude from New York was essentially insulting you and calling you rednecks, right? Because that there was nobody, there was nobody, there was nobody looking at that design. And saying, oh, yeah, that's definitely a presidential library. Okay. (laughs) You go go to any mobile home park in the South, and you take one of them things, and you rebuild it out of glass. (laughs) That's what the presidential library looks like. I mean, I swear, you can look it up. If you think I'm lying, I'm really not. But when they designed that thing, you know, when Hillary approved it, I was just blown away by it. Cause I was like, there's no way Hillary looked at that and didn't think, okay, this has like, you know, this has like Bill Engvall and Jeff Foxworthy written all over it. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's a horrid looking thing. You know, it's, it's one of the most grotesque looking things I've ever seen in my life. And, You know, I mean, it's just, it's so bad. And every time I drove by it, I worked about three or four blocks from there when I worked at U-Haul, you know, and every day I had to drive by that thing and every day I would look over at it and I would just laugh, you know, because it's the ugliest damn thing you ever saw, (laughs) you know,
1: it's just like... As T-Bubba just said, he's doing the best he can, bless his heart. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's the thing. Like,
2: I, you know, I would have loved, and I guess, you know, I never remembered it during our interview, and now I'm kind of mad at myself because I would have loved to have heard, I would have loved to have heard his comments on the building design of that building. I bet he would have had a just a heyday with with that, you know. Um
1: and, and did you did you catch him when he said um, Arkansas semi southern? <laughs> I thought of you <laughs> the first time I heard that, I said, Oh yeah, Chris is gonna enjoy that one.
2: <laughs> well it is kind of like I mean there are parts of Arkansas, Little Rock is like any major big city, like it kind of blew me away. I didn't realize that Little Rock was as big as it is. I mean, it is a very big city. It's very spread out, and
1: well, it's um, got a, It's a college town. My sister went to college yeah. at Harding University, which is in Little Rock. So yeah, it, it's a, um, yeah, it's a college town. It's it's grown exponentially, well, especially since Bill left there.
2: Yeah, I mean. Little Rock is a beautiful town. It's going to be an even more beautiful town if they ever decide to stop building it or finish it, you know.
3: <laughs> there is that. Um,
2: one one of the official seasons in of Little Rock is construction. Um, but it um, it's weird that you can be in Little Rock and just be surrounded by all of the city stuff. But then you can go, you know, five miles down the road and be in – like Jacksonville or Cabot or Valonia and it's so country that you wouldn't even you wouldn't even imagine that it was just down the road from this big massive city, you know. Um Vologna has gotta be the craziest city that I've ever visited anywhere in the world because this town literally gets wiped off the map like every five years and then they just completely rebuild it. And then another massive tornado comes along and wipes it off the map and then they rebuild it. And then another massive tornado comes and it wipes it off the map and they rebuild it. <laughs> you know?
1: That's right. In the middle of tornado alley. Like,
2: it's like, okay, like, like, let me put it this way. Uh, what just happened in Mayfield, Kentucky, basically, has happened in Zalonia, Arkansas, four times over the past 20 years. Okay. Like the town has literally been wiped out. They have rebuilt the high school in Valonia from the ground up three times in the past 26 years. <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm not talking, I'm not talking, oh, they fixed a wall or they had to put a roof back on. I mean, they built that thing from the foundation up because three tornadoes in 26 years have come along and took that school off its hinges nothing left of the town okay other than a path of destruction and i and i was like why do y'all live here like if 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 these massive tornadoes come through here and just wipe this town out and then here about a year before i left dude come along and he started this business and it was the most obvious redneck thing I'd ever heard in my life. And I thought to myself, holy crap, why didn't somebody think of this years ago? (laughs) He started this company. Valonia, part of the town, like the main part of the town, is a flat stretch of just like farmland. Right. But on on the right side of the town, there's a whole bunch of hills. It starts going up into the hills and all of that. Now, all of the houses that were over there for the most part, were always undamaged because it was in the hills and all that, and the tornadoes won't really, you know, climb hills and all that. So this dude got the idea, and they started bringing in all of this dirt, and they built Vologna on the other side through the main stretch, and they built a bunch of hills and all that, and they started building all these houses, and they were like hobbit houses or hobbit-style houses where these things were built with concrete blocks and they built them into the sides of these hills that they created so that essentially the homes were built into the mountainside essentially or built into the hillside so that when the tornadoes come along it couldn't destroy the damn homes because
1: the homes were surrounded on three sides
2: by you know natural
1: earth natural dirt so, and, so they can't be blown down
2: yeah they were they they, they were built essentially the house houses themselves were uh two foot or three foot thick concrete walls and then they just brought the dirt in around it over the top where you could like literally walk right across the roof you know and and all of that and they built a ton of these things and dude's construction company went about building all of these homes and he was selling them faster than he could build them because people realized hey tornado ain't going to knock my house down no more. And these are actually really nice looking. They're bio, bio friendly. They're, you know, they flow with the natural flow of the land. They give the town a whole new look. And it was, it was the most redneck obvious thing I'd ever heard. Like only a redneck would think about, Hey, you know, we could build a house in the side of a hill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Bubba would have had fun with that one.
2: Right, like only a redneck would think, hey, we built a house in the side of a hill or, you know, basically build a, build a house out of a cave mine or of or, or a cave entrance, right, is essentially what they were doing. And you would think, God, that's so redneck. But it was brilliant because it was the best thing you could do because of these stupid tornadoes because these are not small tornadoes that come through Valonia. They are like – F four supercells, man, and they are the most ungodly things. Like, uh, I can show you pictures. I have a, a couple of pictures of them, and they are like if you've ever seen the movie Twisted, like the tornadoes at the end. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Like these,
1: F4, they come
2: and they, yeah, and they level the town. I mean, there's like. Three or four times in 20, 25 years, this town has just been wiped off the map.
1: <laughs> well People don't leave. Of, they just... Speaking of wiping off the map, let's play. Bubba had some views about Southern football. Now, we, all of my teams are in the SEC Conference, and as far as, as we are concerned here in the South, there's nothing better than the SEC Conference. So Bubba has taken it to a whole new level. So ladies and gentlemen, this is off the chain with my co-host Christopher Plain, and we are paying tribute to a a man that has made an impact in this world. He started out as a J.C. He wrote for Ronald Reagan. He was one of his speechwriters when he was president. He turned to comedy and turned southern redneck comedy on its ear. He's one of those comedians like Louis Grizzard, Jerry Clower, that can be funny and not be filthy. So join us as we listen to his view on southern football.
0: You can't talk about the south and not talk about college football. You know, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen loyalty manifest itself any greater than it does when it comes a Southerner supporting his favorite college football team. Now, Bubba loves football. I do. I'm not much into pro football. I, I, don't, I don't like perfection. I want to see the kid down the street, what I saw grow up, go on to college and do good. I am a college football fan. I don't like baseball. I think baseball is a socialist plot to try and ruin spring training. <laughs> And I never have got into seven-foot guys running around in underwear throwing a ball through a hoop. I just don't understand that. It's not a bubble kind of thing. It don't matter where you went to school either. It doesn't matter if you went to school at the college of your choice, but you live in the South, you have got to choose a college. It is just like a law down here that you've got to do that. You don't have to go to school there. If that was true, Alabama and Auburn could play in my living room. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Alabama is, uh, in their defense, I will tell you, is the only state I've ever gone to where women understand football. They can tell you the history of the game. They know about the bear. They know about Suge Jordan. They know who's the players on the team, and they have to be like that, or otherwise they couldn't talk to their brothers and fathers.
3: <laughs>
0: and, I have discovered why they located that Mercedes-Benz plant over next to Tuscaloosa and University of Alabama. You know why that is? Oh, wow. There's an overabundance of crash dummies there.
3: <laughs> 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 Got some Alabama
0: people here. <laughs> I, I I saw two Auburn guys uh, on, on, on the beach last week after the hurricane, came down there. I guess they, you know, I could tell they're from Auburn. They had orange and blue bathing suits on. They was on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were used to the zipper being there. I don't know. I, did, I, I could just tell they was Auburn boys. They standing out there, and they'd obviously never seen the gulf before. And one of them was standing there looking out over it. and said, Lord God, that's a lot of water. And the other said, yeah, and that's just the top of it.
3: <laughs>
0: they were wild, man. It was unbelievable. I I mean, you know, it's just something about it. Well, how about them dogs? Yeah. Some <laughs> the Georgia people here tonight. I love it when they're i tell you, my the most favorite thing about a Georgia game is when the opposing team cheerleaders run on the field, and them boys in the end zone stand up and say, How about them dogs? <laughs> <laughs> now, that is a special part of the game for me. I mean, you know, so, now I, I am a Florida State Seminole. We got any Seminoles here tonight? Yeah. I am. I live in northwest Florida, and, I, and, you know, I have been a Seminole since we were one in twenty-one. I am one of Bowden's boys. That's right. Now, somebody just said it out there, and that's absolutely true. I I hate gators. I, I, I wouldn't hit a hog in the butt with every Florida gator I ever met. <laughs> I don't like gators. The one I ever met walked up and said, what are you? I said, I'm a Seminole. He said, you want them half-ass Indians, a semi-hole. <laughs> I said, well, I guess it's better to be half an ass than one entirely. <laughs> now, I don't now, I, you know, I'm one of Bowden's boys. Bobby Bowden is one of the God-fearing Christian, 5 stone spitting coaches that ever lived. I, he, came, he came to Florida State and turned things around totally. I mean, we, he was there, and we were 1-21. We, we signed him up, took him outside of Tallahassee on the highway what runs through that town, and took a picture of him under a sign. It said, Interstate 10, FSU, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> We gave him a bumper sticker that said beat anybody. <laughs> we just didn't care who it was. Now, we, don't, we just don't beat anybody. I, I don't like Florida Gators. You know, Steve Spurrier's a coach down there. You know the only difference between Steve Spurrier and a newborn puppy? Sooner or later, the puppy stops whining. <laughs> But chopping the air with tomahawk chops, old Miss Rebel flag, war eagles, drunk Cajuns running around LSU, people dropping on the ground and barking like dogs at Georgia—just crazy. I mean, you got to love some team when you're down here. But the one what just blows my mind is the first time the University of South Carolina Gamecocks came on the field four years ago. NBC television—they are just running out there playing Rutgers, running out there on the field. And when they ran out, all them people from Rutgers started hollering burying their children's head in the seat and closing their eyes because they had a big sign. I ain't making this up. Come running out, the cheerleaders had right across here said cocks. (laughs) 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 Had a big sign at the end of the field down there said we love our cocks, you can't beat our cocks. And NBC got 500 calls in an hour from northern people what don't understand what that is. (laughs) So you got to be a Southerner to understand that. That's okay, and you don't. There ain't nothing wrong with it. You got to understand what that is. I don't like Miami Hurricanes either.
3: <laughs>
0: My manager, Steve Ennis, from Miami. I don't, I can't say I hate him. <laughs> Graduated from Miami once a year. I just get to hate him. And I have had several times watching the ball games with him. I, you can always tell them Miami people though. Man. We we played them down there in the Orange Bowl once. Got through after the game and. FSU guys walking along the beach here wanting to do something. Had a couple of days left. He saw this sign, a travel agency. It said, $99 Gulf Cruise, four days, three nights. So he walked in. He said, I think I'll take the $99 Gulf Cruise. Guy said, fine. Steps in the room, takes a baseball bat, whops him right in the head. WHAP! Tied him in an inner tube, threw the back door open and flopped him out there in the Gulf. He just bobbing around. Few <laughs> minutes later, a Miami Hurricane guy walked in. Said, I think I'll take the $99 Gulf Cruise. Guy, same thing. Whop! Pelt him in the head, threw him in an air tube. They flopped him out there in the Gulf, and they floating off down towards Key West.
3: <laughs>
0: About 30 minutes later, they just bobbing up downside each other. Florida State guy left over and said, you think they're going to serve dinner on this cruise? <laughs> Miami guy said, I don't think so. They didn't last year. <laughs>
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off The Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Christopher Plain. And we are doing our final tribute to T. Bubba Betchel, the southern redneck comedian who we lost way too soon. That was his skit on views on southern football. And he's not kidding. If you're from the south, you got to pick a team. When I moved out of Georgia, moved to Florida and married my husband, who graduated from the University of Florida, he was a rabid, a rabid Florida fan. I'm from Georgia. You either got to be a University of Georgia fan or a Georgia Tech fan. I am a University of Georgia fan because I'm from that part of the world. So we lived in a house divided. I rooted for Florida as long as Florida didn't play Georgia. The week before we got married, Florida stomped, I mean, Georgia stomped Florida. So when my future son called and said, Dad, what do you think about that game? My husband said, and I quote, the wedding is off. So, yeah, in the South, you got to pick a team. What did you think of that little skit, Chris?
2: I think that goes for a lot of places, really. I mean, I understand in the South is a whole different thing because on the whole SEC thing, um, again, living in Arkansas, they take that whole Arkansas football thing way too serious. Um, Went to the casino one night, driving through some small country town named Brinkley. Drove past a farmhouse, 9.30 at night, the old boy had his combine pulled up into the front yard, all lit up with Christmas lights, and the combine was being pulled across the yard by eight razorback hogs. <laughs> I, I love like, it. I had I had to stop and take a picture because I was like, "That's a bubble right there, only in the south."
1: You know? Only in the south.
2: <laughs> but I mean, it's in all fairness. Okay, we we're we're doing our thing this year. Michigan is getting ready to play y'all in the 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 championship thing or, you know, leading up to the championship thing and um whatever your opinions are, um I'm still a little salty that Alabama was ranked number one over Michigan 'cause
1: Oh, you and me both I, I don't like Alabama I do not like Alabama. I haven't liked Alabama since forever and a day i and and I really don't like Alabama since Sabin is there because Sabin came out of Florida and Sabin is like Spurrier. He's a whiner too. So when when well, Saban come out
2: of Michigan State originally.
1: Well, that's true. But then he went to Florida. And and he, he went to LSU. At, but then he went to Florida. He, also, oh, did he, go he to, also I didn't
2: know he was in Florida.
1: Oh yeah. He 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 when he left Florida. Urban Meyer came in behind him, and when he left Florida, he went over to Alabama when um, the coach over Mm. there retired. Mm -hmm. So, no, I I don't be liking Nick Saban any more than I like Steve Spurrier. (laughs) But anyway, when when Michigan played Michigan State the Thanksgiving weekend, I was rooting for Michigan.
2: That was a a tough game. It always is because – it's kind of the it was kind of the equivalent of the Georgia Georgia Tech game or the yeah. Florida Florida State game. Um and state always plays better that weekend than they do the rest of the year. Um, this year we have had a decided chip on our shoulder. Um just because the way things went last year, the way that Harbaugh has handled things has been you know, Harbaugh taken a lot of crap for stuff that was really beyond his control, and he's handled it in a very classy way um, that a lot of coaches would never do. Um, and he's taken it on the chin. He took a pay cut to stay at Michigan, which, again, most coaches would have never done, you know. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, he took a significant pay cut to they, – they were essentially – because of COVID and all of that, they were well into the, the red, the black, whatever it is. And they gave him the option of, look, you can, or you are free to go. Um, but if you stay, you're going to have to take a serious pay cut. And he took about, I, it didn't give exact numbers, but it was in the range of about $2 million a year. He, he took a pay cut. um, that's a significant chunk of change, okay? For a coach to take a $2 million pay cut to stay at a school, that shows dedication. That shows commitment. And then to turn around like he did after they won, after they beat Ohio State and won the Big Ten Championship, he had approximately $4 million worth of bonuses. Yep. Uh Do him. And he gave all of that money back to the college and said, I want this to go to all of the people that took pay cuts because of COVID, people that were laid off, people that had their hours cut. I want this to go back to them so that we can rebuild this athletic department back up. Um, again, I'll guarantee you Sabin would have never done that.
1: Oh, no. Urban Meyer
2: would have never done that. No. <laughs> okay.
1: No. So,
2: um, you know, so that, to me, shows the true character, the true class of Jim Harbaugh.
1: Well, um, I even liked Harbaugh when he played, when he coached pro ball. He, he's a he's a very classy well, human being.
2: He is. And, you know, he comes from a good family. His brother's a good coach. and And the thing is, is, We've had some lean years in Michigan. What they were thinking hiring Rich Rodriguez is beyond me. Um and then whoever it was after Rodriguez, you know, he didn't do any better. Um of course both of those coaches come in and said, Oh, we're gonna run the spread offense. Why would you bring the spread offense to a university team that has run a pro style offense its entire existence? Like you're trying to reinvent the wheel, okay, and Obviously, it's not going to work. So you come in, you try to reinvent the wheel, and then you lose a bunch of games because none of the players that you have were brought into the program for that type of style. And then you, like Spurrier, you piss and moan and you complain, oh, I can't win with the current players. Well, you should have known that coming in. None of these players were brought here you know <laughs> if, if, if you bring in a bunch of guys that are pro style quarterbacks and four or three defensive guys and then you come in and say hey we're going to run a spread offense well you can't blame the pro style quarterback for not knowing how to run the the spread offense he's never run the spread offense that's so not what he does right you, you know tom brady couldn't have been successful in a, in a spread spread offense it's, you know Aaron Rodgers would have not been successful in a spread offense because it's not what they do. It's not what they were trained in. So Harbaugh come back. He's got us back on track. Now we're two games away. And um, I'm kind of at a point now, I don't know who's going to win between Michigan and Georgia. It's uh, I think this is as close uh, to an old school nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties style classic game. Uh that when are when,
1: when are they gonna play?
2: Uh January thirty first, so in about eight days. Um
1: January thirty first and December thirty first. Okay. No, December
2: thirty first. I'm sorry, yeah, December thirty first. Um uh, they're they're playing in Miami, uh I think it is, right? I think it's in Miami. Um and uh I'm I'm kind of like you know made the best team win really I'm as much as I want Michigan to win <laughs> being a the Wolverines fan I am perfectly okay if Georgia wins I you know I was a Georgia fan for a number of years when Herschel Walker was there because how could you not be a Georgia fan when Herschel was there Absolutely
1: the man was he was phenomenal. Absolutely
2: electric Yeah absolutely electric player um, so. You know, I was I was a Georgia fan during the Herschel years and uh <laughs> as well as being a Michigan fan, but uh you know, I don't like Sabin just because of his time at MSU. Uh you know, we we take pride that we basically drove him out of the Big Ten.
1: <laughs> Thanks a <laughs> he was lot.
2: His- you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, and all these Alabama fans, you know, they're all like, "Oh, Saban, Saban, Saban!" Yeah, you know, okay, well, don't forget, Saban is five and seven, and it's five and seven against Michigan. So, uh, you know, don't go saying Saban, Saban, Saban just yet, because he ain't exactly got a winning record against us. So, <laughs> you know, and well, what, uh,
1: what I found so interesting is in my in the last couple of years of my mother's life after my father died. She and I, for some reason, were talking about football. It must have been a Saturday when when Jack was watching football. And she said, Yvonne, have you seen this kid from Georgia play? I said, what kid, mother? And when did you start watching football? She said, (laughs) Stafford, the quarterback. I said, when did you start watching? She said, I just turned it on one day, and I watched this kid play, and now I can't get enough of him. Now, my mother was in her 80s. This is this is what, again, Southern football. And
2: unfortunately, he got drafted to the Lions, which ruined his career more or less because yep, the poor guy. Did. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, only the Lions. Only, only the, the Lions. Lions. Bless his heart. God, I say only the Lions, bless their hearts, could be in line for the number one draft pick with the worst Record in football and beat the best team in the NFL. That's true. <laughs> and that lose. is
1: true. That <laughs> and is, lose that... the
2: number one draft pick.
1: They, they, I was they like, How did they do that? Because they're the liars. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that explains it. That's, that. <laughs> that's that's
2: it. That's that's the only way to explain it. Because it's the lions. Okay. There is no logic. There's no reasonable explanation and even ian i'm sure ian would agree with me it's the explanation is because it's the lions,
1: the, it's lions the lions are
2: going to do the most assonant thing that you could possibly think of you know they messed around uh aiden hutchinson is going to be the number one pick because the kid just he's a different breed you know i mean he has heart he has class he is going to be a monster player. Um so now the question is is you know, will the Lions lose a couple more times and uh they'll get their pick back or will he end up in <laughs> Jacksonville or um
1: well, I mean, I'm kinda Jacksonville's, hoping Jacksonville's in turmoil right now. I mean they got uh, well, rid of Urban Myers and, and that, they are they're that on was their the best ear. Thing you done. Oh, absolutely. That's the best thing they could
2: have done getting rid of Urban. They
1: they're completely flipped on their ear. I don't know what they're gonna wind up doing. I but on a, on, on, on the bright side of that, before we get into that subject, let's hear about Bubba's view on Southern cooking. Because I put, a I don't know if you saw my post I put up earlier. I got a call today from a friend of mine, and, and we're all meeting at our yeah. condos up in Daytona. And he said, Yvonne, tell me what I need so I can have it here so you can cook it for me. And I knew exactly what he was saying. I said, so you're wanting sausage, gravy, and biscuits? He says, you know I do. So I gave him the ingredients that I need because I don't cook anything out of a can. That doesn't happen. It's all, you know, all fresh stuff. So then I put up on my Facebook page that the legacy that I am leaving is my homemade sausage biscuits and gravy or sausage gravy and biscuits. And everybody's saying this is my address. And, and another girl said, maybe you could do a video and post it and teach us how to do it. I said, honey, <clears throat> that's impossible. you got to be in my position because I don't measure anything. And the South, we don't right. measure. It's handed down yeah. from mother to daughter. So let's hear Bubba's I a mean, That's not a, oh,
3: that's
2: not a Southern ahead. thing, though. That's a country thing. That's not a Southern well, that's thing. True. That's a country thing. That is thing. true.
1: That that well, that's it, a country it, thing, cause. I was raised in old South country. You didn't measure, yeah. you just you just did it. So let's get let's get Bubba's view on Southern cooking, ladies and gentlemen. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host Yvonne Mason with my co-host Christopher Plain, and we're paying tribute to the one and only Southern redneck comedian T. Bubble Butcher who we lost way too soon. I
0: love foods. Another thing that separates us from most of the rest of the country is our foods. You know, I love it when Yankees come south for the first time and hit culture shock. They just, they don't quite know how to handle it. I love to be in one of these little roadside bars and watch a Yankee come in and ask for directions and see his first jar of pickled pig's feet.
3: <laughs>
0: and they say, what is that? Bud was behind the bar, he said, with well, them pig's feet.
3: What are you doing, studying them? <laughs>
0: I see y'all got that one. I'm real <laughs> proud of you. They didn't get that in Biloxi last week.
3: <laughs>
0: I said, no, this pickle, we Eat them. Eat 'em. Them. Oh God, what a cardiovascular delight that must be. <laughs> I figured he was probably one of the bravest, you know, I mean, can you imagine the first two guys in the woods that killed a pig, two bubble cavemen out there.
3: <laughs>
0: they kill this pig, butcher it, all that white meat spread out, and one bubble looks at the other and says, What part you want? He said, I'll take the feet <laughs>
3: but pickle them first. <laughs> he had to be a Bubba. <laughs> of course, I think
0: the bravest Bubba that ever lived was the first guy that ate an oyster. <laughs> think about that now. They're walking along the seashore. One guy looks at the other and says, hey, break that rock open there. whatever's inside of it. I'm going to suck it down. Whap. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: what that taste like? I don't know.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, put it on this rich cracker and see what it tastes like.
3: <laughs>
0: Certain foods Bubba don't eat. I don't eat sushi. I was in San Francisco here a couple of weeks ago doing a show. Guy did not want to introduce me as Bubba. Wanted to introduce me by my name, which is J. Terrell Bechtel. Well, he couldn't say J. Terrell Bechtel. got two letters mixed up and introduced me as T. Barrel Rectal.
3: <laughs> 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 well, <yeah>. Now, that, <laughs> That is not a
0: town you want to get introduced that way in. You know, I, I dropped my wallet at the airport there and kicked it all the way to the hotel so I picked it up. You
3: know, I never
0: could get him to say Bubba, but I finally explained to him what my name was, Bubba. So we go out and afterwards we go eat and they brought me some sushi. Brought me out some raw fish and shrimp. Put it down in front of me. All wrapped up in these little bit of leaves. I thought a bubba don't eat bait.
3: <laughs>
0: it was raw bait. That's what it was. Wanted me to eat one of these octopus tentacles. Big old long slimy thing with suckers on it. I thought if I wanted to eat something like that, I'd have stayed in my motel room and sucked on a bath mat. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: I was watching a television show the other day it said what you eat affects your love life. That was serious. <clears throat> I decided right then I was gonna stop eating minute rice. <laughs> I'm gonna buy me some long grain and get into it, boy. Get me some wild rice, I'm talking about stay away from Uncle Ben's converted rice. I
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll send all that to San Francisco out there. and I, you know. I'll never forget the first time I did my first show with Crooked Chase on the Nashville Network. Got through, went out and had breakfast. Early in the morning, a lady come up and said, y'all want some biscuits? I said, what's it made out of? She said, scratch. God, I know where I scratch. I don't want no biscuits made out of that. We just eat strange things, but we don't eat strange things like up north. Now, I've been to Wisconsin. Have you seen these cheesehead freaks running around the country? you see them at these Green Bay Packers games. got this slice of cheese on them. <laughs> I mean, Yankees can be tacky. <laughs> they call themselves cheeseheads. They will make anything out of cheese in Wisconsin. They make things up there Bubba wouldn't eat. Now, I'm telling you, I would not eat something called a cheese nip. <laughs> what is a cheese nip? Cheese curls. You run your fingers through curls. You don't eat them. You know, and cheese bits. Cheese logs. (laughs) Cheese balls. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And what is cheese with? (laughs) God, I know what cheese is, but what is with? I ain't going to eat none of that. (laughs) We just eat different things. That's the foods I like to eat. I hope you like some
1: of them too. And again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Christopher Plain, and we are paying tribute to the one and only Southern redneck comedian, T. Bubba Betchel. I don't care what he talks about. He is absolutely one of the funniest people I have ever heard in my entire life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> He, he is, he's, yeah, there's, there's no two ways about it. It just. Uh...
1: In fact, what would, what I want to do, if I can find it, I just had it. Um, back that one up with this one. This one's about a minute 31. It's called um, Bubba Bill Fat Boy Run. No, this is a five minute one. Bubba Bill Fat Boy Run. He makes fun of himself all the time. So if you'll hold on, ladies and gentlemen, we'll play this one, and we'll be right back.
0: Fat people are the last group in America you can legally discriminate against. It is, you know. People will discriminate against folks like me. I don't care. I have fun with it. I love to walk into somebody's house and head right for the wicker furniture.
3: And they go, oh, no, bubba, bubba, bubba.
0: Yeah, we brought this cast iron furniture off the patio for you. <laughs> See right here. I'm near 20 minutes, I get up in my Bermuda shorts, and I got grapevine bump- <laughs> all over the back of my leg.
3: <laughs> Southwest Airlines
0: discriminated against fat boys. Remember that a couple years ago they made a rule? If you sat on one seat and it's too big for you and you lopped over in another seat, you had to buy two seats. Even if you could get in it, you had to buy two seats because you crowded the other person. It kind of made me mad when I first heard about it. And then I said, well, you know, that's not such a bad deal. Two seats, two meals. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I did that line several times on television. And I, and I caught a Southwest Airlines jet one day in Texas. There wasn't nothing else I could take. <laughs> and then I was getting my seat, and I said, look, I'll buy two seats. I want a space between them. You know, I'll buy two seats, but if you, got, you can work it out, give me a space. She looked at me, and she said, you bubble back, you?" <laughs> I said, yes. She said, I heard what you've been saying about Southwest Airlines. I said, well, I do being funny. <laughs> I got you. She said, well, here's two seats with a space between them. I got on the plane. Going back, I'm looking for 19C and 19A. I had two seats with a space between them Two aisle seats I had this seat and this seat And they wouldn't give me my money back You know what I did? When the plane took off and the the fastest seatbelt light went off I put my suitcase in the middle of the aisle And my feet up on one seat and leaned back on the other And made people step over me the whole time You know, that's just what it's about And (coughs) they're small airplanes. You know, I've been telling you for years I hate those things. I went up to Nashville the other day and got on one of these things. They get smaller. I mean, I I didn't think they'd get any smaller. But this this plane looked like a flashlight with wings. (laughs) I could have got on this plane easier than I got in it.
3: (laughs) Because I could have straddled it and rode it home. (laughs) It's just a little big plane just about to get on the plane.
0: They had this little door come down with a little cable right here. And I went, and the plane, actually the plane went, and this guy walks up and he said, "Uh, excuse me, sir. Yes. He said, "Uh, I need to ask you a question. I said, well, what is it? He said, how much do you
3: weigh? I said, why
0: do you need to know that personal information? He said, well, so we'll know whether the co-pilot can go on this trip or not. (laughs)
3: Put him on, leave the luggage.
0: You know, why we got to do that. So I get on the plane. There's one guy sitting up front right next to the cabin. And there's one seat on this side, two seats on this side. So I get in my seat looking across here, and here's a big woman over here. Now, this is a big woman. She had both of them seats filled up. I thank God the arm came up in the middle. Or at least I hope it did. <laughs> And she had two seatbelts, one on each side, all the way across, plus an extender right there. And I wallowed down in my little one-side seat, and I got down in there, I looked over at her, and she said, hi. I said, hi. And she said, how you doing? It's fine. You okay? She said, yeah, I'm okay. So the plane starts going down the runway. Wow, 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 wah, 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 like we taxied for eight minutes. I looked over at this woman, and she's white as a ghost. Just head back with her eyes closed and her knuckles got a death grip on that arm of that seat. And I look over there and she looks at me. And, and I looked up a little bit. I could see the pilot when they're up there. And I looked out and I could see all, I see the end of the runway coming up. Wah, 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 wah. I turned and looked at her and she said, Bubba, if you told them bigger lies than I did, we're going to taxi all the way to Pensacola. <laughs> This is a little plane. We're coming home, in a flock of geese passes in the B formation. We got that plane over here in the back line and drafted all the way to Pensacola. Little bitty airplane.
1: And again, ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only Southern Redneck comedian T. Bubba Betchel. Chris, the self depreciating humor, it just gets better and better. We have lost, the world has lost such an icon by losing him because it didn't matter what it was. He made a joke out of it.
3: Yeah, see,
2: you know, people talk about, again, you know, people, you mentioned Larry the Cable Guy, and they know who he is, and they know who Jeff is and and Bill and Ron White and and whatnot, And, and, and they're all great comedians. In their own right, you know, but Bubba was just a different kind of comedian, you know, um, He, he there, was a, there was a, there was a genuine quality to him. You know what I'm saying? There was no,
3: mm-hmm.
2: he Bubba was just who he was. Um, and again, you know, referring back to John Panette, John was the same way. I got to meet John in Little Rock where I was there. I went to a, a comedy show one night and uh unbeknownst to me my favorite comedian one of my favorite female comedians of all time is is a black woman named thea vidal and uh thea is just fall down funny um and uh unbeknownst to me when i went to see john panette uh thea was touring with an opening for john so i got to see them both and you know john and thea are both where John was before John passed, uh, much like Bubba. John was a, a big old boy and he made fun of his weight and, you know, food and diets and people and different things and um one of the things John was known for was his comedy about food. Uh show me the buffet, that was his thing. Or, you know, the joke about uh going into the Chinese restaurant and scaring the scaring the owner of the restaurant because He's like, you know, the owner comes out and he's like, "You here for hour?
0: How you here for hour? You scare wife. You eat everything on buffet. You leave now."
2: (laughs) Um. Anyways, the night that John was there, the night we went to see John, um, I was going to invite John, uh, knowing John is a, a huge, you know, lover of food and all of that. Um. One of the most unique things that happened is John and Thea, when they finished their set, literally went to the front door of the club and greeted every single person as they left. Like like at church, you know, when the preacher right. kind of shakes your hand as you're leaving. Him and Thea stood at the door of that club and greeted every single person. And to me, that blew my mind. They didn't have to do that. You know, and most comedians would never do that because of how long it would take. Um, but they were doing it. So I thought, you know, I'm going to invite John uh to this event, thinking he would probably turn me down. He couldn't do it because he had shows or something or another. And uh I walked up and I said, hey, I said, I know this is a long shot. And I said, you probably are too busy for it. I said, but... Uh, I said, they are holding the World Barbecue Championships here tomorrow morning. And John turned and looked at me with that look that he got on his face, and he goes, where is it? And it just so happened to be it was about a half a mile down the road from where the club was. And I said, well, it's about half a mile down the road on the riverfront. And he looked at me, and he goes, get in the car. <laughs> I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, it's not till tomorrow. And he was—he looked he, he looked at me for a second, and he looked down at the floor, and he looked back up, and he's like, 8 a.m., pick me up. What time does it start? And I was like, 10 a.m. He's like, pick me up at 8. It gives us time to have breakfast first. I'm buying. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, so I get to the hotel the next morning, and I go in to tell the lady at the counter that I'm here to pick up John Panette. John is in the lobby with, these, with this outfit on that looks like, if you've ever seen the old big boy statue. Yep, yep. John is wearing these shorts and this shirt that looks like he stole it off a of big boy's eye. <laughs> and he's wearing this big bib overall with a giant pig on the front. And I was like, what are you wearing? And he's like, you said we're having barbecue. And I was like, we are? And he's like, well, I'm dressed in my barbecue outfit.
3: And (laughs) I I was like,
2: oh, my God. All right, great. Are you ready to go? Well, wait one minute. Thea's coming with us. Okay. So Thea comes down, and we go to breakfast, and I laugh so hard I couldn't eat because these two were going back and forth and were trading jokes and spent the whole day with John and Thea at the World Barbecue Championships. John running from place to place just eating all of the food that he could eat and he was in absolute heaven Um, and you know unfortunately ended up dying of a heart attack uh, a couple years later and I cried John was such a cherub-like person, and, and much like Bubba, again, like I said, the majority of his comedy was more clean and family-oriented, and, and again, about his weight and about the silly situations of life and touring and um, like the clip I sent you, you know, he just right. this fall-down funny guy. Um, Bubba and John would have just... Those two would oh, have they just. They would have brought been, the
1: house. They would have brought the house oh, down yeah. if they had yeah, done a together.
2: Yeah, if they would have like done some shows together, they would have just. It, you, you'd have had to go to the hospital afterwards. You'd have had broken ribs from laughing so hard. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, that's why when you mentioned about Bubba passing, it was. I kind of had that same visceral reaction
1: because oh my my stomach hit you know. the floor because two yeah. weeks earlier another friend of mine I, I went on my. Social media and her husband had posted that she had died in her sleep and, and she and I were very, very close. She was a, a member of the JCS Senate and I am the first non-senator who has held an appointed position within the Senate as their national photographer. And because mm-hmm. I, she's in charge of the friendships, and I'm a friendship. She was tickled to death. Well, then, I get this thing about Bubba, and I'm going, please make it stop! Enough already! So, the idea of this tribute to him is something that will always be out there. And ladies and gentlemen, you can you can go onto YouTube and pull up T. Bubba Betchel. And his skits are all over the place. Don't go now because we're not done yet. But after the show, you can go and and pull up his skits because there's many, many more. We just had a sampling of the total of three-hour shows that we've done of of his humor. And before we leave tonight, uh, we've only got about 20 minutes left. I want to read his obit, which came out today. I'm sure his children wrote it. And it is so Bubba. It wouldn't have surprised me if he hadn't written it and had it put in a strong box somewhere. But it says this. Right. Obituary for James Carroll T. Bubba Betchell, Sr. At some point during the early morning hours of 12-18-2021, beloved father, brother, and friend to many... James Carroll Bechtel, Jr., a.k.a. T-Bubba, passed through the bonds of this physical world to reunite with his mother, Winona, Winnie Bryant, and the warmth and glory of Southern Heaven. Pensacola's favorite Bubba has left the building. From the wrong side of the tracks in southern Mississippi to the recording tracks of Nashville, Tennessee, T-Bubba was an American success story like no other. Bechtel grew up as James Terrell Bechtel in his youth. He progressed from changing big rig tires at a truck stop in high school to earning an AA degree from Perkinston College in finance. In 1969, with wife Sally and Terrell Jr., in co, he moved to Pensacola to work for beneficial finance. In his first year, he won the company's top salesman of the year award, topping over $1 million in loan contracts. During this time he was introduced to the JCs, a popular civic organization involved in community service. He joined the Cumbee Bay JCs and discovered his first calling in life. That was to lead young men in their endeavors to be better businessmen and motivate them to be leaders. Bechtel quickly rose in the leadership roles on the local and state levels before becoming president of the Florida JCs in 1977. Never having lack of ambition, Bechtel decided to throw his head into the national arena for the United States JCs. Just two years after serving as Florida JCI president in 1979, he was elected president of the United States JCs. A position that would garner him an audience with two presidents of the United States, national spots with Jerry Lewis on his telethons for muscular dystrophy, and numerous other national TV and radio shows. Bechtel continued to be involved with J.C.'s International, serving on their board for several years to follow. After living for a year in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the headquarters for the J.C.'s, Bechtel returned with family to Pensacola. Bechtel took a turn in politics, running for Congress here in the 1st Congressional District of Florida. He served as fundraising director for President Ronald Reagan in Florida. Bechtel worked for two years in the Reagan White House as a speech writer, and as you said last night, you could tell it was Beckel in, in Reagan's speeches. After politics, Bechtel became heavily involved with the National Speakers Association, earning his professional designation as a certified speaking professional. He was quickly fully booked on the professional speaking circuit with his unique style of motivation, leadership training, and, of course, humor. His presentation involved into less motivation and more humor as he continued to hone his craft. He quickly learned that major corporations craved humor for their keynote speakers rather than the same old motivational leadership trainers and experts they had hired year after year. T. Bubble Bechtel was born and became one of the top five humorists on the national speaking circuit. The syndicated columnist and humorist heard the syndicated columnist and humorist Louis Grisard heard T. Bubba speak at an event and they became fast friends. Bubba joined Louis' management team and his second calling took off becoming a full-blown stand-up comic. He made several appearances on Cook & Chase's Music City Tonight. He was hired by Operland Productions to host Boots, Boogie and Blues at the Governor's Palace Theater in Sevierville, Tennessee. Then his first performance on the Grand Ole Opry was on October 24, 1998. He performed on the Opry over 200 times. He was twice awarded Comedian of the Year by the International Country Gospel Music Association due to his family-friendly style of comedy. He will be sorely missed. T. Bubba is survived by his two sons, Bubba Jr. and Little Bubba, Terrell Bechtel Jr. and Carter Bechtel, and his wife Ann his sister, Dixie Smith, his two brothers, Lee Bryant and Charles Bryant. The funeral services, of course, will be at the Pensacola Beach Community Church on Tuesday, January 4th. A public viewing will start at noon. The service will be from 2 to 3. And then they're going to have a celebration of life reception at the Sandbar on the Pensacola Beach at 4 p.m. and will last until 6 p.m. or beyond. Now tell me that is not something that Bubba would have written.
2: Yeah, it it definitely
3: is,
1: uh, you know. So, ladies it, and gentlemen, it is. It 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 it. Chris is like me. It it. This is something that is is very near and dear to our heart. This man is an icon, both in the yeah. JCs and in the entertainment world. And when he was a JC, the. The membership was a million strong It was the same time my husband was a JC So If you're between the ages Of 18 and 40 Check into the JC's We are trying to get chapters all across the country Again Because You know That's where the Leadership comes from It teaches people how to be Business leaders and, And how to do the things that they knew to need to do to be successful, and we are getting down to the um to the last fifteen minutes of the show. I know you have some closing remarks you want to say, so go ahead because I'm looking for something a very short um there it is, a very short thing to close the show with. So go ahead and have your final thoughts, Chris.
2: Um, you know my my final thoughts are essentially, if you don't know who who Bubba is or T Bubba, um, go back and and check his stuff out. It's all over YouTube. Uh, there is, I think, at least one on Spotify. It's on Amazon. Uh, there's, I believe, there's four, four or five, uh, full-length records that he had recorded, and there's um, on YouTube, there's his Bubba speaks things that he did, his little, um, his little short, little, little short form things that he did, and um, just a hilarious man. But more than that, the the true epitome of what a good human being was um, more than a comedian, more than just the Southerner or the redneck or all the things that he talked about in his comedy. Um, you know, his charity, his love of his family, his love of people, um, his entire life spent uh, basically in service of other people, uh, either through the JCs or JCI or, uh you know his scholarships that he created and different things um really serves as an example of what you can do you know or what we should be doing as as human beings you know and uh i, I think he's a prime example of someone you can look up to that doesn't have the you know, the the Hollywood spin on it or the, the negative stuff of a lot of the heroes we look up to that have stuff in their background that is very questionable. Um
1: and he had no you know, ego. He, he he was Yeah, exactly he he was a very he really was a very humble man. And yeah. he he strove to do good things without Public recognition, and, and when I when yeah. I go back and I read things about him, you know, these Hollywood people say, "Well, I gave so and so and did this for so and so," and yeah, half of the stuff that he did, we will probably never know about because it was done quietly.
2: Right, and, and that's the truth. And again, going back to the southern thing, that's a true southern way, right there. Is it is? You
1: know, it it's not indeed.
2: supposed to be. It's not supposed to be about attention and all that and I may be a northerner but that is one southern thing that I have in me is you know I have said many times that if I was ever blessed enough to win the lottery I have a list of people that have helped me and been by my side and um you know if I'm rich they're rich but I'm not going to do it in a big flashy way it ain't a matter of you know, being flashy and buying them fancy houses or fancy cars. It's little things, and, you know, you just kind of do it, and you give them that gift, and then you move on. And um if I can do it anonymously, then I'll do it anonymously. You know, I'm not trying to get my name in the paper. I ain't trying to be a big show of it. I don't want to be one of these YouTube celebrities that go around doing it for YouTube likes or anything like that, you know. Um, you know, I think Bubba was a lot like me in the sense that, you know, if I was well off, I'm not saying Bubba was rich. He probably was far from it, but he he made a, a very nice living. I mean, he, you know, he earned between $10,000 and 20000 a night um, for his speaking engagements. And that's a, you know, that's a, a nice living if you do enough of them <laughs> in a year, uh, you know, Um so, I'm sure Bubba was probably, you know, comfortable, and he didn't go crazy with it. But he did, again, you know, the charity, to the different colleges and the scholarship funds, and and he did that, and that is a sign of a of a great human being. That, you know, who knew that you didn't go to sleep at night comfortably, knowing that there were people in need or people that you could be helping. And it didn't help, you know, and, uh, that's just, that's me. I, I couldn't have a million dollars in the bank. I couldn't have $10 million in the bank, $20 million in the bank. And know that I had a friend who was struggling to make their house payment or struggling to pay their light bill or, you know, struggling to buy their kids Christmas. I, I couldn't sleep comfortably at night knowing that I had all that money in the bank and they were struggling. Um, you know, it ain't about ego. It ain't about trying to be Superman or any of that. It's just doing the right thing. And it's helping people where they need it. And again, moving on, you know, you don't dwell on it. You don't hold it over their head. You just, you help them and you move on, you know, and when, when God calls you to help, you help, you
1: know. Um, and the, the last line so, of the yeah. J.C. Creed says it all, and that is the service to humanity is the best work of life. And that that is what yes. we're put on this earth to do is just be servants. And that's what the J.C.s teach. That's what the Bible teach, that that we are known by yeah. our good works. But we don't do it in a flamboyant way. It's, it's done quietly because really the only person that needs to know is God.
2: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's, you know, every once in a while you're gonna get that situation where you kinda can't help, uh, but do it with an audience. You know, like sometimes it's hard to do what you want to do without there being an audience, but you don't set out to have an audience. You don't Correct. You know, you don't go to a, you don't go to a homeless shelter with a fifty thousand dollar check with a camera crew in tow.
1: And before Um, we run out of time I want to run this last clip it's a minute 14 and it is absolutely fall down funny ladies and gentlemen this is off the chain I'm your host Yvonne Mason with my co-host Christopher Plain I almost said Ian because Ian's usually here and we are doing a tribute (laughs) to the one and only Southern Redneck Comedian T. Bubba Bechtel, who left us way too long. And this is directly from Bubba.
0: Hey, y'all. It's T. Bubba Bechtel on how to cook your Christmas turkey. Here's a turkey recipe that includes the use of popcorn as a stuffing ingredient. Imagine that. When I found this recipe, I thought it was perfect for people like me, who are just not sure how to tell when a turkey is thoroughly cooked but not dried out. Give this a try. First, got to get an 8 to 15-pound turkey, one cup of melted butter, one cup of stuffing. Pepperidge Farm is good. One cup of unpopped popcorn. Now, I like Ober Redenbacher's low-fat the best. Salt and pepper to taste. Preheat the oven to 350 degrees. Brush the turkey well with melted butter, salt, and pepper. Fill the turkey cavity with stuffing and the popcorn. Place in baking pan, making sure the neck end of the turkey is toward the front of the oven, not the back. After about four hours, listen for the popping sound. And when the turkey's butt blows the door wide open, bam, and the bird flies across the room, wham, it's done.
1: And you thought I couldn't cook. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, that is Bubba's recipe from cooking a turkey on Christmas. So Chris, when you gotta cook your turkey for for Christmas, you can use popcorn to make sure it's time. Actually I
2: don't do turkey, we do ham. I I'm not a turkey fan, so uh I
1: I just thought know, that was I'm that, that the, was a, that was apropos yeah. for Bubba.
2: Yeah, it 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 was, uh you know who yeah so, la- it, so ladies it, it, go ahead no i would say it, it it absolutely was so um
1: yeah That that is probably a good ending to a two-hour show ladies and gentlemen i hope you have enjoyed this tribute to our friend and someone that we will miss we will miss his humor. We will miss his smile because when he smiled and laughed, it, it was an all-over smile and laughter. And I hope wherever he is, that he is keeping them laughing because laughter is the best medicine. We will be yeah. back here on Off the Chain on January the 10th. We will be opening our, our year with Ed Roman we will be doing back-to-back shows with him on the 10th and the 11th because we are going to be doing music and anthropology. And, Chris, you might want to come and join us along with Ian because anthropology and music, your love of music, and and Ed Roman's love of music and anthropology, it, it will prove to be a great show.
2: Okay. I will look to see what my schedule is like. Sorry if I don't have anything scheduled or whatever, I can definitely uh, make an appearance at least for a few okay. minutes. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I do want to tell people everywhere to, to, uh, if they want to look it up, uh, all over on Apple and all that, uh, is my show, the ish list, uh, I S H list. Uh, Yvonne and I just did the newest episode and, uh, uh, it is the top ten worst things about the holidays. So
1: Amen. Uh, we
2: give you a little bit of, we give you a little bit of holiday humor, a little bit of seriousness, but uh, just a a a, a quick fun top ten list of ten things that we hate about the holidays. So <laughs> <laughs> little bit little bit of Mary Grinchmas in there. So
1: <laughs> the Grinchmas um, is is a. I like the Grinchmas. I like Grinch. He is he is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. And and also um, real quick when, tell the folks about your 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 radio show with your music.
2: Um, that's actually on hold temporarily. Um I was just running into a wall as far as time uh between the two podcasts and the divorce stuff going on and uh the little one schoolwork and all that other stuff. I just I wasn't finding the time to do it. Uh, we are going to pick it back up uh, towards the end of January um, once the divorce is finalized <laughs> and I don't have to deal with the she-demon anymore. Uh, there you go. But, you know, that, that, it's Motor City Glam Slam. Uh, if you're a fan of the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, uh, hairband type of stuff, uh, Bon Jovi, Motley Docking, Dokken, uh, Poison, all that kind of stuff, Def Leppard, um, a lot of what we do there, uh, I have noise report, which is my main podcast It's where I interview people very similar to this only much more bizarre and, uh, off the rails, I guess, because like you to hear me on here, you know, we start talking about pop tarts and end up talking about Peterbilt trucks. So
1: right. <laughs> sort of like you just never know where off- it's going to go. Well, the, the sort of like we do normally on off the chain.
2: Yeah, like I, it's just very random and when I do the noise report, you know, it's a very eclectic list of people. I mean, I have uh, authors and actors and uh, marijuana advocates. I have musicians and um, I have a gentleman coming on named Brad Ghost, Goss, who wrote a line of children's books that are not appropriate for children. Okay. Um, Brad is Brad. Brad has written about a hundred and eight children's books, but they are adult children's books. Um, they are absolutely fall down funny, um, you know, but they are very adult oriented. And um, Brad has a TikTok channel. You can look him up. It's G O S S E. Um, and he reads them on his TikTok channel, and you'll you'll hold your side laughing at the zany, completely off the wall ideas he comes up with.
1: Um, and, and with that, and with that, we're gonna have to leave yeah. it because she's fixing to cut us off. So y'all go All watch, right. listen to the noise report. We will see you back here on January the tenth on Off the Chain. I want to thank you for joining us. This is Yvonne Mason with my co-host, Christopher Flame, and this ends our tribute to the one and only T-Bubble Bechtel. Chris, thank you for spending time with me, my friend. I look forward to next year.
2: Absolutely. Everyone have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Be safe. Treat each other with kindness. And, talk
1: to, um, you, talk to yeah. you later, my friend.
2: Yep, yep. Laters. Good night. Later. Good night.